Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Rabbi Steve Kane, and today we are studying Masechet Shabbat, Tzadichet, Amud Aleph, and Amud Bet. The tractate Shabbat, page 98, A and B. Now the previous page had been discussing a question of transferring one object from a Rashut Hayachid, from a private domain, to a Rashut Harabim, a public domain, by means of throwing that object, which is of course not allowed on Shabbat. And also discussing if one had an object in Rashut Hayachid in a private domain and threw it to another private domain, but in between them was a public domain, uh, whether one was obligated in that case too. But the Gemara on Tzadichet now turns to another question of moving an object, a certain amount of spaces, in this case, in the public domain. And it begins with the following statement. Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, Amar Rav Abba, Amar Rav Huna, Amar Rav. Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda said in the name of Rav Abba, who said in the name of Rav Huna, who said in the name of Rav, Ham'avir arba amot b'rashut harabim mikora, one who transfers an object for amot, that's for um, uh, for uh, lengths in a roofed public domain, patur, they are exempt. Why? Because a roofed area does not resemble the encampment of the Israelites in the wilderness, which is where the whole question of... Uh, transferring objects first came up. In the wilderness, you had wagons. They were not necessarily roofed. And so therefore, perhaps a roof public domain is not like the wagon. Now the Gemara spends almost the entire page of Tzadichet Aleph and Tzadichet Bet going through all sorts of details about what these wagons were like and what the boards were like in the wagons. And the truth of the matter is that one has to wonder why would the Gemara spend so much time on these concepts because they have no practical application. In the end, they are trying to imagine what the wagons were like in the desert and what the boards were shaped like in the desert. And so they go back and forth discussing the shape of the boards, the length of the boards, how they could possibly fit in the wagons, whether the wagons themselves had a flat and complete floor or perhaps were covered. And they go on in this whole area. Now I think what is important here is not the exact details of that discussion because those details are, to us, something which don't seem to matter all that much. But if you can put yourself in the mindset of the rabbis who were discussing this, of the editor of the Gemara, 
I think you'll see that what they were really trying to do was recreate in their mind what exactly the tabernacle in the desert was like, what it meant to build it, and to get down to every last detail. And so their discussions of the tabernacle in the desert included every piece of what might have gone on, the length of each board, the shape of each board, what each wagon looked like. And in that way, of course, they could not recreate. They could not. They had no pictures. They don't even have any great sources in the Torah of the exact uh, way that, um, that, that these wagons and their boards looked. But in their own mind, they could then recreate this wonderful tabernacle in the desert um, and, uh, and how it was built. And that was very important to them because that was the beginning of their relationship to God. And by having um, a tabernacle that they could imagine in their minds, it made it all the more real to them. It made it more something that, uh, that they themselves could uh, uh, relate to. And in this case, of course, the Gemara is already talking years, hundreds of years, after the destruction of the Temple in Jerusalem. So all of this is something that is built up in the minds of the rabbis, all of these exact details. And so it spends these two pages and other parts, of course, not only of Masecha Shabbat, uh, but other parts of the Gemara, uh, trying to reenact in their own minds what it looked like. It does not matter, did it really look like this or not? What matters is how they were able to construct the idea of a tabernacle in the desert down to its very minute details. Now, at the very end of the page, on 98b, there is a beautiful statement that I wanted to uh, end with today. Uh, in discussing the uh, covering of the tent, um, it said that it draped, uh, it, it draped on the ground. Uh, it, it, it kind of followed uh, the tent itself. And here's what it says concerning that. Tana Debei Rabbi Yishmael. It was taught in the school of Rabbi Yishmael. Lama Mishkan Domeh. To what did the tabernacle resemble? Isha Shemhalechet Bashuk. A woman who was walking in the marketplace. Veshipuleha Mahalchin Achareha. And behind her was a train which trailed her. Now this is, to the rabbis, a mark of beauty. A woman walking in the market, in a sense, you, today the best example we could think of would be a bride. A bride has a train when she walks down the aisle. So the beauty of the, of, of the train behind the bride, uh, or behind the woman in this case, indicated that she had a certain elegance to her, that she had a, uh, a certain pride in, in who she was and a certain beauty. Uh, and so, by comparing the tabernacles, um, the train of the tabernacle to the train of a woman walking the shuk, uh, it wanted to say, I believe, that um, that all of these details that it imagined about the tabernacle, uh, that it somehow either received the tradition or or even conceived in their own minds, that all of this, in a very real sense, had a great beauty to it. And that beauty is reflected in this last breita to compare the train of the tabernacle to a woman walking in the street who, um, uh, who behind her has her train, uh, who does so with a sense of dignity and beauty.
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.